Hello, everyone. Welcome to Live and Let's Discuss, where sometimes we'd have to torture ourselves. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Noah. And we're talking about Sean Connery's quote-unquote epic return called Never Say Never Again. The... Oh, Lord. I don't even know where to begin. Should we begin with the Thunderball drama? Yes, so back in the day, Fleming was really trying to get some sort of television or film version of Bond off the ground. This would have been the early, like late 50s, early 60s. So we talked about For Your Eyes Only were a series of TV scripts. Uh, mm -hmm. There was, of course, the 50s Casino Royale made-for-TV film, which didn't do well. And then the Thunderball was. I'm trying to remember who is this man. This oh, it's okay. So Thunderball started as a script that Fleming wrote with two other people. The mm -hmm. one guy I don't remember his name because he didn't start any drama, that like not that much drama. He just wanted credit later. Uh, but the main villain of this story is Kevin McClory. Kevin McClory, um, it fell through. That's that's the point. Is this whole thing with Thunderball fell through? Ian Fleming took what he had and he published the novel Thunderball, which yeah. is a solid but very different Bond story. Mm -hmm. Well, McClory was not happy about this and sued Fleming. And we've we talked about this last season. I'm of the opinion that it led to his death the stress of this and also his really unhealthy lifestyle mm. led to, to Fleming's death. So when yeah. they were making Thunderball, they, the movie, the movie with Sean Connery, Kevin McClory was involved in it. Yeah. They had to make him a producer because the deal was essentially, um, the book can still be distributed. Like, and all the money from the book goes straight to Fleming. Mm -hmm. But McClory would get the movie rights, essentially. Yes. So they had to make him a producer for Thunderball. But it worked out in that case. But then there was a clausel or something. So many years have to pass. And then the entire rights for Thunderball and everything that McClory wanted from it went back to McClory. Which... Obviously, is the situation why uh, Blofeld, the character, disappeared and Spectre, the organization, disappeared from the Bond movies. Because McClory claimed he came up with it, which it's unclear how much truth there is to that. Yeah, McClure, but, the bottom line is McClory is a shit weasel. Yeah. And just... And I mean, you can sympathize with him to some degree if it was just... I wrote, I co-wrote this with Ian. I want my share of the money because he just made this into a book without asking me. Okay. But then he just patiently waited his chance and everything he did to create his own version and then trying to remake that later, yes. you know, his Dalton plans. That's just like scummy. Yeah. And he's just always been a pain for, for the broccolis. Just a pain. Um, and this was his first attempt in remaking Thunderball. And the title Never Say Never Again, again came from Connery's wife. 
That was her idea. Uh, they got Connery on board because he couldn't stand. Uh, he couldn't stand the broccolis. Yeah. At all. Um, something. Something happened between "You Only Live Twice" and definitely happened during "Diamonds Are Forever," and he was done with Bond. I mean, we talked about this when we reviewed we did "Diamonds Are Forever." Mm-hmm. That he was offered a bunch of money to even be there, and yeah, the movie because, suffered. Yeah, because essentially he had enough. Uh, with "You Only Live Twice" already, which you can tell from his performance. Yes. Uh, so they replaced him. With Lazenby, and then that flopped. And so they brought him back for one more with Diamonds. Yeah, well, they couldn't get Lazenby again because his. Oh, yeah, he was on his, his uh, hippie he face. He said that uh, spy films were over. Mm-hmm. So Lazenby didn't come back, which is the dumbest thing. That's like the worst career decision he ever made. His, yeah. his career never recovered from that. Yeah, oh yeah, I know, because he also went on his hippie face right after, and he made some weird uh, movies. He made some weird movies. He was supposed to make a movie with Bruce Lee, and Bruce Lee died. Mm-hmm. That was going to be his comeback. They were After Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee and George Lazenby were going to do a film together. Because you can see George Lazenby at Bruce Lee's funeral. Oh. In the footage, yeah. <laughs> and he has oh, long hair. Yep. It doesn't even look the same. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um it's it's so weird. So so Connery agrees to do this film. He actually gets into better shape, arguably, than he was in Diamonds Are Forever. Oh yeah, he definitely looks better in this movie, looks even though better. he's older. He's older. Um he trained with Steven Seagal. Have I have I ever told you this story? I think I think you did. But but for the sake of the, the audience. So he was he learned some Aikido from Steven Seagal. This is before Steven Seagal was an actor. He was a stunt choreographer in the early 80s. Also Kelly LeBrock's uh, bodyguard, which became his third wife. Hmm. But uh, apparently uh, Sean Connery, he was such a, he was so nice about this. And compared to other actors who have terrible Steven Seagal stories, feel like no one has a good Steven Seagal story, but um, Sean Connery like, started showing off, and, and I guess Steven Seagal broke his wrist. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that was early on, so this would have been the early 80s at the latest. It was before this film came out. Mm-hmm. But you could tell he upped his fighting game in this and he's doing his own stunts and I'm going to try to put as much positive into this review as possible because I was impressed with a little bit of this movie um so for the sake of this review we we've already talked about Thunderball you can follow up the plot because this is just a remake of Thunderball yeah but for some reason McClory saw like Franchise potential. I don't know how, because like this is a weird. It's a weird reboot of Bond, mm-hmm. but it's like it's like saying that we ignore everything that didn't have Sean Connery in it. But at the same time, it doesn't work. This movie doesn't work at all. 
It's it's so bizarre. Um because McClory did a bunch of things that he thought would work. He got Empire Strikes Back's director. Irvin Kirshner himself. Can you and this is 83, this is after Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Which we gotta gotta I gotta digress to Irvin Kirshner. People say great director. But like here's the deal. Some people, some people who think that he actually had control over Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Irvin Kirshner, as Harrison Ford put it, was great with the actors. But if you look at any Empire behind the scenes of Empire Strikes Back, George Lucas directed that movie. George Lucas has even admitted that he, he wouldn't let the directors of either Irvin Kirshner or Richard Marquand, who directed Return of the Jedi too direct like it, it was george it's george's vision they're george lucas movies it's with a little better acting yeah <laughs> because he got those directors to do you know the stuff with the actors yes and the other irvin kershner movie i can think of is robocop 2 oh i i haven't seen that one i've heard it's better than the third one at least Oh yeah, the third one's garbage, but RoboCop 2's nonsense. Yeah, but... so, I mean, Irvin Kerr, it's so weird because I think the only films that people know from him are Empire Strikes Back, which everybody loves, this one, which no one likes, and then RoboCop 2, I guess. Which is nonsense, and it was yeah. uh, it's basically a Frank Miller film, because Frank Miller wrote it. Mm-hmm. That's it Frank Will- Miller's big break in Hollywood because there was a uh, screenwriter's strike. <laughs> when making RoboCop 2, who had Frank Miller's brought in. But basically, Irvin Kirshner, his style is part TV movie and then really bizarre cinematography. There are all sorts of weird angles and stuff, um, mm-hmm. weird acting. The yeah. acting is either really wooden or it's over the top, except for Sean Connery. Yeah, I would say it's just generally the tone is really uneven in a way that doesn't quite work. Yeah, and here's the thing. We have actors that are pretty good. I mean, Max Vancito. Oh, yeah, in that, in that one scene. Of this, and yeah. he's terrible. I mean, this man was in The Exorcist. Like, he's a, he was a fantastic actor, and he's just bad. I mean, he doesn't get much to work with, but even then. And it's also weird because something we have to keep in mind. This is not an official Eon productions Bond movie. So we have to accept that stuff can't be in it. Yes. Like um, the There's Bond no theme. Gun barrel. No gun barrel, no Bond theme. Like that stuff is all out. But because we we mentioned Max von Sydow and his Blofeld. Obviously, in the movies, it was great how we never saw his face and only the cat, and we got some nice visual stuff with it. Yes. This movie doesn't do it. It just shows Max von Sydow. Yes. But then it also tries to copy the Eon production movies, especially with Blofeld, because he has a white cat, which is an Eon like creation that's not from the Thunderball book, mm-hmm. which McClory claims, oh, I wrote this. I created Blofeld. That's all mine. I'm going to make a true adaptation. No, no. no. I, I think you just copied this ele- a couple elements because you know that's what people like. 
Yeah. Also, the number 12 is a woman who seduces mm-hmm. Bond. That's from the Thunderball film. That's not part of the Thunderball novel at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, he also changes the villain's name for some reason. Uh, it's Emilio Largo in the book and the movie Thunderball. In this one, it's Max Maximilian Largo? Yes, he's a different ethnicity. Oh, yeah. I think the, the actor is like Austrian or something. Klaus Maria Brandauer. Yeah, he and he's doing like a different accent on top of that. So it's just mm. weird. Also makes him overly eccentric and psychotic. Yeah, I think he's honestly the best part because at least he's something memorable and new. Oh, because his... Well, number 12, she's also over the top and goofy too. Yeah, but with him, what's interesting, he's the main villain of this film, but he doesn't feel like a Bond villain in that He feels like a abusive boyfriend for most of the film. Yes. Which at least that's memorable. That's something different. Yeah. I can give it that. Kim Bassinger is terrible in this movie. Do we even have to say that? Oh, God, she's so... Well, the, here's the thing. She's not a bad actress. She's been in a lot of great movies. But this is this, this is bad. Also, we gotta, we gotta talk about... Let's get to the opening. The opening is the best part of this movie, in my opinion. Because it's so ridiculous. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna say, oh, because it's so well done. No, so instead we couldn't have the gun barrel, so we have a helicopter shot, and then we superimpose 007 written over and over again to fill up the whole screen, and you fly through one of the O's. It's like from a helicopter. Mm -hmm. And then we cut to Sean Connery running through the jungle. And he does all these like tricks and stuff. He has a blowgun. He's punching people. And he like breaks into this base and like he fights a bunch of people, shoots a bunch of people. Then he gets stabbed by this woman who he was supposed to rescue. We find out the training simulator. However, that works. I, I guess can't. they all pretended to be dead. And it's... over this entire we have to point this out. Over this entire scene. The theme song is playing because it's a James Bond movie. We gotta have a theme song. Yes, because we don't have an opening like title sequence. No, so we just play this. Imagine Octopussy, which we talked about. The Battle of the Bonds. Imagine Octopussy and you know All Time High is playing over the Cuba sequence. Yes. So it's the song called Never Say Never Again, which I it wasn't the original song either. I'll have to send you it. They had a lot better of the song, but they changed it. They wanted something a little more upbeat because they're doing this. So they have the most repetitive bad song. And that's a theme with this. That's the better part of the music. This is some of the worst jazz I've ever heard in my life. This whole Mm. soundtrack is really bad 80s jazz. Oh, man. Yeah, I think that theme song... I love it or hate it, it's memorable in the sense that it gets stuck in your head after you hear it. Yeah. And honestly, it does lead to some decent themes in like when it's used instrumentally. Hmm. It's okay. But 
the big thing is that Sean Connery is Bond. He's old, but he wants to say, like, hey, I can still do stuff. And he's just been training people instead of actually being a double O. Because we have a new M. They make that clear. He's a younger, he's younger than Bond. Mm. Which is an interesting dynamic. Yeah. It doesn't work. And he's the worst M. By oh, by far. Oh, he's terrible. And he's just angry. He yells at Bond. He makes Bond go to this retreat. So now we can actually get the Thunderbolt plot going. Yeah, Shrublands. I mean, what you can say is probably this is better set up. Like why Bond is in that clinic than Thunderball, where he's just there and it's like a spa. But again, you don't really need that much setup, I guess. No, but it, it's nice. We also have the worst money, Penny. I barely remember her. I think they have like one scene where they flirt or something. They have two. Two, okay. And they're they're both they're both not that good. It just it makes you wish that they had gotten the money penny from that that was in the main line. Oh, Lois Maxwell? Just get her yeah. back as well. Yeah, that would have been nice. But I mean, uh, she's still an octopusy and the next one at this point. Yes. But I mean, like, it'd be nice to see her and Sean Connery interact again. That would have been nice. The new Q is bad. Hmm. Um, He's really chipper. And he's just like happy to see 007, even though he destroys everything. Hmm. And... Oh, I vaguely remember that guy. Mm -hmm. I know he was younger than uh, Desmond Llewellyn's Q. Yes, I remember that because I remember the scene when Bond is visiting him in his like little workshop, and it's yeah. like the worst set I've ever seen for like oh. the Q branch. Oh, all of these sets are terrible. Yeah, that's why I say this looks like a made-for-TV movie at times. Also, to talk about the, I need to talk about the Blu-ray quality. We're very spoiled with the Bond franchise for the most part. Because it gets what I call the Star Wars treatment. Which is, it gets remastered fairly regularly. Never Say Never Again does not get this treatment. Watching the Blu-ray, it looks like a DVD for the mm -hmm. most part. Um, there's a few scenes that look better in HD, for, but for the most part, this movie looked cheap. And yep. it wasn't cheap. That's the thing. No, let me look up the budget, actually, because I have it right here. The budget was $36 million, apparently. What was the budget for Octopussy? Oh, let me double check. The budget for... Is that, that'd be an interesting juxtaposition there. Okay. Uh, this one is $36 million. Octopussy was... Oh, my God. 27.5 million. <laughs> this was like 10 million dollars more than Octopussy. And it's terrible. And it looks I so much say, the, the underwater fighting in this is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, but and it's Sean Connery doing all the the scuba diving. Which oh, is okay, that's that's good. And here's the thing with this movie, and this is one of the positives. Sean Connery's doing most of his stunts. I think the only stuff he's not doing, he's not riding the motorcycle. Mm. They clearly put a helmet on. He probably rode the motorcycle. The oh, wait, like that's... Yeah, sorry. I know people can't see this, but that's on the back of my DVD, and it looks yeah. like a cheesy goddamn action movie. Like, 
Well, oh yeah, yeah, because uh, they wanted to be different in this, so he doesn't get a car; he gets a motorcycle. That yeah, that famous chase sequence. It's not as bad as I remembered it being, but it's mm. still bad. Um, I, I'm skipping around here because there's not a lot worth. It, I mean, about. we know the basic story; we just have to talk about the differences. Can we talk about Felix Leiter in this quick? Because oh, yeah, that, that ties bad. in. He's not bad, but it ties in with the bad editing and stuff. Yes, when he gets introduced, because I think the actor is like famous, for like baseball player or something. I think so. Yeah, because when he shows up at at an airport, Bond is leaving, and then Felix walks up to him, and that's that's Felix's introduction, and he just throws a baseball right at Bond's face, and Bond catches it, and we get this establishing shot, like okay, here's the airport, Bond is here, then we get the close up of him catching the the ball, and background and everything is completely different. You can tell that was shot way later. And it's just inserted there, and it's it takes you out. It's amateurish, like yes. Uh, we also get the French intelligence agent, who I never remember her name because she's not that important. Barely does anything except die. Hmm. Um, oh, also, she's one of the many women attracted to old Sean Connery, which I guess is more forgivable here because he just looks better. Because I I keep think of him in Diamonds Are Forever. Here's the deal, though. It's so egotistical. And it's okay. so... It bothers me to no end. Kim Bessinger, who's, like, in her 20s, is into this old man who's massaging her. But he goes into this health clinic to meet her. Different to the health clinic he was in where he was banging the young nurse and he throws the pee into... I think it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double that he's fighting. Oh yeah, that's famous. That's probably the best fight scene in here. That's, oh yeah. That's one where the comedy actually works, I think. The comedy works to go to that. The comedy works. It, it's brutal. It You know what it reminded me of? Not the odd job fight. The fight in You Only Live Twice where Bond picks up the couch. Oh. We get it around. We have all the wide shots, and that was the thing with the some of the Connery fights. There are a lot of wide shots to to show that it's the actors fighting one another. But this guy just takes all these hits. And he just beats up an old man. Yep, and then an Bond in good shape, but an old man. Yeah, and, and the way Bond defeats him, and there's like this little fake out where Bond thinks because he throws like a jar of piss at him. It's his own piss. Yeah, with his own piss, and then he looks at it like. Oh, this is James Bond's urine sample. And Bond is like, What what is wrong with my urine? And then he has the realization when the guy falls over, like, he oh no, fell he has been... a bunch of beakers and they're all stabbed through him. Which yeah. Is pretty nasty. Yeah, but that that's a good joke. I give the movie that much. It is pretty funny. Um, but we get every all these young women are attracted to this to Sean Connery. Yeah. And how and it's really like uh, compare it with Octopussy and For Your Eyes Only, where there's a sense of self awareness. Yes, yes. And, yeah, I can, no... I can see what you mean with egotistical. It's so there's so there's no self awareness. Uh, there's like a whole scene. He walks through a health clinic, and all these women in bikinis just like they're like just gawking over old Sean Connery. And I like Sean Connery, and I'm glad he's in this movie, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I mean, 
that's something you, you always tell me like oh this movie at least addresses his age mm -hmm. which is a thing but i think it legitimately only does so because in the beginning because we need a reason for him to go to shrublands and in the book it was because m was on, on like a health trip yes and he, and he was like bond you this is amazing my dude you gotta try this stop smoking stop drinking alcohol come on i'm, I'm sending you to the same clinic i went yes it's just it just doesn't make sense like none of this makes any sense um the only one that makes sense is number 12 being into bond and that's because she's just crazy yeah she's like a senior on a top from goldeneye like yes, a predecessor but bad mm -hmm. really bad uh her whole, her whole stuff like i remember her introduction in the spectre headquarter mm -hmm. which we just follow her feet which is weird there's a lot of following feet in this movie yeah. there's a lot think. of weird weird camera angles it, you know what it reminds me of death wish 3 mm. another schlocky like movie of, from the same era that has bizarre camera angles but this is so she she dresses in ridiculous outfits yeah I remember the one she's wearing when she gets defeated at the end. Mm -hmm. It's it's just she looks so absurd. Like she's a legitimate cartoon character. Uh huh. Like our villain Largo is over the top, but like I said, yeah. he has more like an abusive boyfriend feeling, which is interesting. But she's like chewing the scenery like crazy. Oh, I know. And some people say she's better than the number twelve was in Thunderball, and I'm like, are you watching the same movie as I am? Like, at least in the original Thunderball, like the femme fatale fit in. Yes, with the tone. They also have the longest sex scene, her and Bond. Oh, you mean the epic scene where we cut back between them in weird sex positions and then underwater life? Yes. And then they're I... suddenly in the water. <laughs> and then she tries to kill Bond and gets chased by all the sharks. He has like a radar thing, and then the specters put radar dishes on sharks. That, that cut was... to cut to the scene from the first Austin Powers, you know, sharks yes. with freaking laser beams. I think that's that. That's where that joke comes from. It's just this. This is so dumb. And then she tries to blow up Bond because he's picked up by the fisherman chick that he was hitting on earlier, in which we get Sean Connery's greatest outfit ever overalls and nothing else which with his chest hair just oh, I love it. it it makes me laugh so hard because Bond just looks like a hillbilly oh my god okay I remember it yeah. <laughs> that scene oh my god there's a lot of Sean Connery walking around like barely wearing any clothes in oh yeah because later there's the scene with Felix he and Felix have to for some reason like change outfits so they un just undress to underwear yes to get away because he blew up number 12 with the pen yeah and they just start bicycling in their underwear well he's on a bicycle and then Felix is shadow boxing and they're just in t-shirts and underwear. There's another scene where uh, they they infiltrate the the ship, but Felix doesn't make it on there, which is kind of from the book, I think. Kind of, sort of, not really. It's it's just a way to to get Bond onto the ship, 
but we're skipping the great the greatest two scenes in this movie. The first, the video game. Yes. That's so you know I, how in how how in the original Thunderball, like the movie and stuff, or what you just expect from Bond is like him meeting the villain in like a casino, you know, maybe a card game, baccarat, mm -hmm. poker, whatever it was in uh, uh, Octopussy, you know, with the dice. Yeah. You expect something more classy, like the, no, we are in the eighties. What are they gonna play? A video game, and it is early CG. This is the first Bond movie with CG in it. That is CGI, because it looks like the Wrath of I Khan. I couldn't tell. I thought it was practical effects. It looks so good. It's so fuck. It's so bad. I, I initially thought it was two D animation, but no, it's three D. Did it, you notice in that scene? Because the game is some you have to shoot at your enemy something, and there's like a there's a zoom in effect. Yes. When you when you shoot, and it forms like the gun barrel where it's like. Yes, I saw. It's like the iris of a, a camera. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's dumb. And then the video game has pain sensors. Oh yeah. And, and Kim Basinger, it's her best acting, I think. Well, one of the few moments she actually gets to act and not woodenly, she looks mortified that this whole thing is going on. And then he, Bond basically wins a. Tango with her because that's oh, and then we get the epic dance scene. Everyone is standing around them like in a circle. It's this gigantic ballroom. Everyone is just watching these two dancing like over the top, and it's so cringy and it's uncomfortable. Bad. It's bad. It's uh he tells her that her brother's dead in the middle of dancing when everyone around them is watching. No one else is dancing. We can't, we can't even explain how awkward these scenes look. Like the video game scene, it's not just that, it's like Bond and the villain and everyone else there in fancy clothing. And then you just have this game table with like a CG thing in the middle. And I think there was like arcade games standing around as well. Yes. And it looks so off. It looks like a parody. Also, Bond doesn't order a vodka martini at the bar. He orders vodka on the rocks. Maybe, maybe they didn't have the rights. No, oh, in that same one later. But but I think in the same scene, there's like a little sign in the background that says like "Welcome to the Casino Royale." And I think that was McClory giving like the middle finger to Cubby because they also didn't own Casino Royale. <laughs> it's it, it's bad. It's bad is what we're getting at, and it does lead to the French. Well, it leads to one of my favorite moments, which is Bond gives this the the doorman what the doorman thinks is a bomb. He says, "Don't move, or it'll blow up." And he comes back, and it's just a cigar case. Yeah, okay, that moment is pretty epic. It is pretty great, um, but it does lead to the our French intelligence agent dying, getting drowned in a waterbed by number twelve. Which I'm not sure how that happened. You know, it reminds me. Of, it reminds me of Nightmare on Elm Street. That's what I was just thinking with the guy. Yeah, when Freddy kills him, this and he's a, suddenly in the bed. Now this is a wet dream or something like that. That's like the one-liner. Yep. Oh man. Um. That you know, you know, death. You know, death wish free and the Nightmare on Elm Street sequel is not what you should be thinking of when watching a James Bond movie. <laughs> I think that's Nightmare on Elm Street five. It might, be. it might be. Yeah. Or it's four or five. 
It's four. It's the Dream Master. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's good we have this settled. See, I've seen that. Because um, those were characters from Dream Warriors. And they're killed right, off. Because there was a secret. Okay. Um. Anyway. So, I'm watching... We get the motorcycle chase here. And it's ridiculous. And Bond is wearing a tuxedo and a motorcycle helmet. So that way the, the stunt driver can take over. It's like that scene in E.T. where all the kids put their hoods up and they do like all the crazy stunts with the bikes. You ever seen E.T.? Nope. Oh, But I, I can't imagine how this looks. Yeah. Yeah, they put all their hoods on, and then it goes to a wide shot, which is really nice. Spielberg does this wide shot. And it's clearly the stunt doubles, because suddenly the kids are big. <laughs> they suddenly are taller. That's great. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> so, we get this scene, then we get number 12's death, where she wants Bond to write that he, she was the best sex he'd ever had. Yeah, and, and like, I mean, what? at least Connery gets another good line out of it. He's like, well, there was this woman in Philadelphia. <laughs> so, like, Philly? Of all places. <laughs> and then he shoots her with the pen. And she explodes. Well, first she turns into a dummy, and then she explodes. I'm okay with that. Yeah. It's very 80s. 80s did that. That's like a canon film staple. Mm -hmm. So it turns into a dummy and blows up. Yeah, and then but... Felix shows up for no reason. <laughs> He's also and in this he, movie. Yeah, and he, he gets Bond out of the scene, which we get to. Bond's riding a bike with in his boxers and tank top, and Felix is shadow boxing and jogging behind him. It, just explaining this, it sounds like we are making shit up. And then literally we cut to they're in scuba gear and they're trying to get onto Largo's um, yacht and only Bond gets in and then he strips down to like his underwear and starts walking around and then Largo has a bathrobe for him it's like the amount of Sean Connery just barely wearing clothes of this is just he got, he got to show off his physique he does have a good physique for his age hmm. I watched an interview with him after this movie came out because you know he wore a toupee. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Wasn't he already going bold like in his first? He was like, going when he shot bald in the sixties. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, we know at least from 